0: blog talk radio
1: That was When I Ruled the World, Coldplay, Viva La Vida. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Thank you for joining me tonight. All of you who are in the chat room and those of you who are with, within the sound of my voice listening on Spreaker and, and uh, some of the other stations that I'm simulcasting, I suppose, Thank you for listening. Uh, today's date is uh, November 30th, 2011 A.D., beautiful Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Tonight, we're going to start off our what's become or will become our annual War on Christmas report. Because it's that time of year again. And I've been getting reports from some of my friends, colleagues. I have no peers, so I won't say peers. But those folks. And, of course, Fox and Friends every single morning. But before we, before we do that, we've got to lead off with an appropriate Christmas song. Don't you think? To kick off the... Well, to kick off the, uh, the, se- the the Christmas season right. And what better tune than Darius Rucker's Candy Cane Christmas? With each war on Christmas report, we must have an appropriate Christmas song. So bear with me, if you will, because we're starting this tradition, and it has to be done just right. So, to lead off our our traditional war on Christmas report, we're going to have Mr. Darius Rucker throw down this jam. this little ditty It's become a holiday favorite
2: tiny little boots covered in snow. A woman on the stove, tinsel twinkling everywhere, holly hanging on the stairs. It must be Christmas Eve. Angels sitting high upon a tree, watching over presents patiently. Milk and cookies on a plate Santa Claus is on his waist The kids should be Fast asleep But sleigh bells are ringing
3: In their heads
2: Twisting like little tops In their
3: beds
2: Trying yeah. to sleep
3: But it's no use
2: With hoofs, taps. On the roof Yeah Figuring out the So see what they can <laughs> <do>. <laughs> It's a candy cane Christmas, baby Sweet, Sweet As it can,
3: as it can
1: be. be Yeah Don't you love it? That's going to be up there in a few years With uh, White Christmas So on to the War on Christmas report The war is getting spicy this year folks One of the missions of Liberals is to replace the phrase Merry Christmas with And I'm sure you've heard it Happy Holidays Because Allegedly the former is offensive to some The Liberals are quick to point out Hanukkah Kwanzaa And even Yule are part of the holiday season, starting out with Hanukkah, well, I don't really feel most of Americans uh, or most Jewish Americans um really care i don't i don't I don't think they really have a beef with Christmas. they have their holiday, and we can all remain respectful without the political correctness of happy holidays and As for Kwanzaa. Well, on the other hand, it's not even a religious holiday and was created by black folks in the 1960s. I don't have an issue with that either, but I'm not going to quit saying Merry Christmas for the sake of black American history. Finally, the one group that I can think of that would celebrate Yule in 2011 is neo-pagans, a group. Only the liberals could truly embrace because of their multicultural uh, thing they've got going on. The war could get really spicy this year, though, due to the Occupy Wall Street crowd and their anti-capitalist agenda. The truth The truth is, the trust fund kids who are leading this movement do not need Christmas to give and receive gifts because of the privilege they enjoy. I don't know what that privilege is, but I'm sure there's there. So, without further ado, let the report begin. A Christmas quality Hanukkah pricing billboard was pulled. Jesus remains among the most popular people ever. Are calling it, retailers are calling it Christmas again. Walgreens is the latest store to return to explicit references to Christmas. Hooray for them! Switching its possible or position, switching its position on a day after Christian groups threatened to boycott. Over its generic holiday wording, the American Family Association and the Liberal or Liberty Com- Com- Council, their chieftain group that uh, maintains lists of naughty and nice retailers based on which stores reference Christmas, applauded Walgreens Switch, and so do I, along with several other big stores who are coming off the naughty list for the first time in years during the month of December there will be well there'll be a greater use of Christmas in our stores and online a Walgreens spokesman said a day after switching wording on their website we completely agree they said that while others celebrate different holidays we should use the word Christmas to describe items we're selling for Christmas decorations and gifts Of course. But among the other naughty tonight's success stories are Best Buy, Disney, CVS, Target, Macy's, Martha Stewart, and Kohl's, all of which have brought back references to Christmas, according to the Liberty Council, which advocates the religious freedoms protections. Meanwhile, Gap. Staples, J. Crew, American Eagle, and sadly so many others remain on the naughty side, sticking with references to merry, sparky, bright, wishful, happy, wintry holidays. But not Christmas. Oh no. They remain on the naughty list. All right. So you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We have done our naughty list. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Sit Rep. We'll be right back.
2: Excellence in Broadcasting presents Liberals of Genius. Liberals of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. Mr.
3: President of the United States.
2: You single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time.
3: Ten percent.
2: No one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love. What were you thinking? Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative, Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy.
3: Joe was misunderstood.
2: So crack open a good book sit on your butt, and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr.
3: President, the one we weren't waiting for.
4: I remember America. Sure, you can still find it on a map, but nobody older than 20 thinks this is America. Even if coordinates are the same, we've lost our compass. You don't have a direction without reference, the true north. America. It was liberty. When we lost the love of liberty, our understanding of liberty, it was just a matter of time before the rest of it was lost. Some think it started when the auto companies were nationalized, or the police state to control the internet, or when certain companies couldn't fail because their relationship with politicians made them too big to fail, and the rest of us, without political influence, were too small to succeed. Sure, that all happened pretty quickly. There were just a couple of years, but Liberty had been gradually devolving for decades. Some of the more astute, like Ayn Rand, saw it about 50 years before others. She warned us. But people didn't believe it could happen here until it did. Laws had been used to loot productive individuals and businesses, but in the new millennium, under Bush and Obama, graft, corruption, and crony capitalism were no longer hidden behind closed doors. The looters and their laws came out of hiding like rabid animals that were no longer afraid of humans. It was brought into the spotlight and it was celebrated as enlightened economic policy. Ayn Rand asked the question Atlas shrugged that the rest of us were asking 60 years later. Which failing financial institution will the administration pluck from the flames of crisis, and which will it let roast? Which market or investment technique will the regulators bless, and which, in a capricious change of rules, will it condemn or outlaw? As John Galt said in his radio address, You decided you had a right to your wages, but we had no right to our profits. You called it selfish and cruel, that men should trade value for value. You've now established an unselfish society where they trade extortion for extortion. People who had never produced or managed anything tried to manage every aspect of our lives, and they brought production to a standstill. And eventually, they decided to micromanage the food supply in the name of fairness and safety. And we all know what happened then. Fiction can be a powerful influence, for good or bad. It's too bad more people didn't read Atlas Shrugged. They might have realized where this was heading.
1: All right, and we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Has anybody seen the latest poll numbers out? Well, the latest poll numbers are bad news for the Obama administration, but uh, I certainly wouldn't count him out at this juncture. The latest poll numbers suggest that my main man and yours, Newt Gingrich... The closest thing to Ronald Reagan we have would beat Obama 45 to 43 if the election were held today. Newt Gingrich, you all. Not all that attractive. Not good to look at. No, not as handsome, not as suave, not as slick as Obama. But then that's what got us into this mess, isn't it? The slick, suave, smooth con artist. That's what always gets us, isn't it? There's a song that I used to listen to back in the old days called Well, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife. So from my personal point of view get an ugly girl to marry you and then the song goes out to spell why a pretty woman makes her husband look small very often causes his downfall but the ugly woman though her face is ugly her eyes don't match take it from me she's a better catch well, it's kind of that way right here and now. You've got Newt Gingrich. Kind of dumpy looking. Ill fitting suit. You know, not a good looking guy at all. But there's substance there, isn't there? He speaks the truth. He talks about America. He talks about America being great again. I personally and honestly, I don't think Newt Gingrich will win. Well Well well, I think he would win, but he's got some excess baggage. And uh you know I just am not sold. But uh I wonder if anyone, when anyone else does, if anyone else thinks that he he can win. The call in numbers three four seven eight eight four, eighty five hundred. Newt and Obama. Can you imagine the debate? Newt said the other day that hey, he welcome a debate with Obama, and he said Obama could use a teleprompter if he if he so desired. The Newt. Gingrich's surge has moved him to the, to the top spot, to the top polls in, in Iowa. Big gains in New Hampshire as well. And now a two-point edge over Obama in a hypothetical general election matchup. Imagine. It's like Ali versus Frazier, the first fight. It would be quite a matchup. Given that President Obama doesn't really have the facts on his side and tends to lie quite a bit, imagine the two opponents on the stage, one on one side and the other on the other. Oh, yeah, it'll bring back images, and certainly reporters will report on the Kennedy-Nixon debates, Kennedy, uh, Kennedy all powdered up and prettied up looking healthy, although he was not healthy at all. The cortisone shots helped to fill out his face and make him look healthy. He had a bronze, tanned look. Very handsome. But the cortisone shots that he took to keep him alive tend to brown his skin up a little bit, so he looked like he was nice and freshly tanned. Meanwhile, Nixon had just come off an issue with his back or some such thing, and He refused makeup, and he had this day-old growth of beard, and he looked pretty sickly compared to Kennedy. But even, even still, the matchup was a wash. There was no clear winner. But Kennedy sure did look a whole lot prettier. He was a lot better looking than Nixon was on that stage. I believe what we'll have is a repeat if Newt gets that far imagine Newt against Obama in a head-to-head debate my money's on Newt simply because Newt has history and the facts and they're all like in his head and he won't need to have the words spelled out for him to read excuse me let me ask a question and it's a, it's a rhetorical question. You have a gentleman like Newt Gingrich, who uses few handwritten notes, who speaks eloquently, who has the facts at his fingertips or in his fertile brain. A brilliant man, no doubt. But seldom is he labeled a brilliant man by the media. Well-spoken. ...superior intellectually. We have President Barack Hussein Obama, however, who can barely string a sentence together. Without the aid of a teleprompter, he stutters and stammers and can't quite get his thoughts together. But in front of the teleprompter, he is brilliant. But he's labeled a brilliant man by most. The smartest man I know, said George Clooney, whom to my mind didn't finish high school... Um, Brad Pitt, who did not – also did not finish high school as far as I – as far as my knowledge is concerned. They all believe that this man is brilliant. What do you think the matchup would be? Can you imagine it? Gingrich trailed the president by six points just last week. Two weeks ago, he was down by 12 Earlier in the year, both Rick Perry and Herman Cain followed a similar path to take a slight lead over the president. Folks, America, Americans believe that they are worse off now than they ever were. Imagine the president stepping onto the podium and saying four more years, four more years. Imagine Gingrich stepping to the podium and saying, Are you worse off now than you were before, or are you better off now than you were three years ago? Bloomberg has a report out, Americans worse than when Obama inaugurated by 44% to a 34% margin. Two years ago, after the official start of the recovery... The American people remain pessimistic about their current economic circumstances and long-term prospects. Fewer than a quarter of people see signs of improvement in the economy. And two-thirds say they believe the country is on the wrong track overall, according to a Bloomberg national poll conducted in June. Gas prices are higher. Grocery prices are higher still. Transportation prices are higher. So, how will he run? Tesla writes in the chat room. The very fact that you're that you're discussing Newt, <laughs> in which you're talking about uh, about his, indicates that you have written off Cain. Um, I'm reading from my my good friend Tesla in the chat room, and I would respond to Tesla this way. I haven't written off Cain. I think Cain can ride this whole thing with the women out. I really do. After all, who – what better example do we have than Clinton, whose bimbo eruptions were out as soon as he started running? Now, Herman Cain has similar issues. What, nearly 15 years later? America has been anesthetized to – these sorts of things six months from now if Kane hangs in in there nobody will remember this stuff and he'll be going strong. I simply happen to believe that Newt however unattractive and unappealing he is to the camera would pose a much more formidable opponent to Barack Hussein Obama does anyone disagree does anyone disagree that the scholarly well spoken man with the facts readily available the debater of all debaters can go toe to toe with Hussein and best him and make him look like the amateur that he is. I have no doubt. Put Newt's brain though in Rick Perry's body. And it's over. It's over. We could we simply we, we would just call it call it we can just call the whole thing off. Barack would never win. He can't win. He can't – the way things are right now, he can't win. Put Newt up there on the podium, and Newt will stomp that ass, and it doesn't matter how good-looking Barack Obama is because he's not that attractive to begin with. Tesla writes, Cain doesn't have the media on his side like Clinton did. Clinton had the media. Of that there is no doubt. But somehow, the bimbo eruptions erupted nonetheless. We all heard about it. And I'm ashamed to say that I was on Clinton's side throughout the the whole thing. In fact, I was listening to Rush Limbaugh all election season, and Rush got me so upset that I turned rush off for the remainder of Clinton's campaign because I was so enamored with Bill Clinton, and I said to myself, This could you know so what so what you know he likes the ladies, a lot of us do, you know, especially some of us guys who've been married before and know that you know after the after that first year or so. You know, things don't kind of, you know, the, the kind of things taper off a little bit. You know, your wife starts seeing you as a, just a lump of meat in a lounge chair. She doesn't see you as that handsome stud anymore, that bright guy, the guy she fell in love with. You're just the guy who mows the lawn or fails to do so. You're just the guy who empties the trash. You know, you're pretty much her flunky at that point. You're, yeah. You know? So I, I you know I don't blame I didn't I didn't blame you know Clinton for the you know for you know liking the ladies a little. So you know I I got I was annoyed with Rush. I was like, hey man, you don't leave the guy alone. You know, he likes the ladies, so what? So do I? But then You know, after he became elected, I was all like, you know, wait a minute now, things are getting out of hand. You know, but still there was a bit of a wink and a nod right up until the time he started lying. You know, it's okay to like the ladies and say, hey, I like the ladies. What can you do? You know, wink at a brother. We we understand. You know, but don't start lying to me. You know, because then you insult my intelligence, and that's where Clinton lost me when you started insulting my intelligence, that's where anybody will, will lose me for good. When you start playing me for a chump, we got problems. But, so, to answer Tesla's question, or, or to speak to Tesla's, um concerns, I think that Kane can ride this whole thing out. No doubt Cain has supporters who, like me, you know, was sticking with Clinton, regardless of the the, the women coming out of the woodwork. I stuck with a guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it. I stuck with I stuck with Bill Clinton for a long time. And no doubt there are those who will stick with with uh, with Cain. You know, in the world where we have the conspiracy theories abound. Um. There are those of us out there who are going to say, you know, somebody's been paid off to just come out and tell these stories. Somebody wants their 15 to 20 minutes of fame. Because, you know, this guy's been in the limelight for years. Herman Cain has. Herman Cain is famous in Georgia and, and around the country. His radio show in Georgia is phenomenal. But we've never heard any of these accusations until he began the run for president, as opposed to Clinton, who these accusations were all over. His state, when he was governor, the rumors were flying. No such rumors existed in the state of Georgia with Herman Cain. This all is such a big surprise. It all came out as he began to rise in the polls in the running for the presidency when he became a candidate. I find that to be suspicious at best. But back to where we were. The president of the United States. the position the positions of of Americans who say they believe the US is on the wrong track is higher than it was at any point during Ronald Reagan's presidency when unemployment peaked at 10.8%, 10.8%, imagine that. And after the 1981-82 recession According to an NBC News Washington Post poll, the ABC poll showed the wrong track number during Reagan's first term peaking at 57% in October of 1982. The Bloomberg poll shows 66% of Americans think the U.S. is on the wrong track right now. That's, That's way up there. Who here, who within the sound of my voice believes that President Obama at this point next year can be reelected president. What people would in their right minds or even not so right minds would elect the guy again? Americans are growing increasingly more frustrated with President Barack Obama's handling of the economy, and only three in ten say they're certain they will vote to re elect him in twenty twelve. A new poll shows, and I'm reading from uh, from um, uh, Fox Nation that speaks to the headline, Obama's re-election bid on life support. Just 23% of those surveyed for a Bloomberg news poll released Wednesday say they're hopeful about the economy because they see signs of improvement. While 25% say they are fearful, things are going to get worse. And 51% are cautious because nothing seems to be happening. And Obama is hanging his hat on a do-nothing Congress, which isn't going to work. You know... Here's the reason why I believe that this do-nothing-nothing-Congress-Truman strategy won't, won't work for Obama, and you tell me if I'm wrong. The reason why Obama's rehashing of the Truman strategy is that Truman actually believed what he said. That's the first thing. The second thing is that Truman took responsibility… Truman said, the buck stops here. Truman said openly on numerous occasions, I'm the president. I'm in charge. Everything rests with me. Failure, success, mine, and mine alone. That plaque that was on his desk sits in the Smithsonian now. The buck stops here. President Obama, on the other hand, exercises very little leadership and suggests that everything that goes wrong is somebody else's fault. It's either Congress's fault, it's the fault of the American people for being lazy, it's the fault of a tsunami, it's the fault of a hurricane, it's the Britons' fault, it's the Jews' fault, it's everybody's fault. He's doing the best he can. He's the man. He's the Mac of all daddies, and it's your fault that he sucks, all to be damned, but certainly not his. This is the reason why this strategy will not work, because we have not reached the point of a society where the idea that it's not my fault – has ingrained itself in the American psyche. We are still a people who appreciate the taking of responsibility because it is so rare. We appreciate it when our leaders say, it's my fault, it's my responsibility. Even if it isn't. Certainly when it isn't, When it's clearly not your fault, when it's clearly not your responsibility, and you take responsibility regardless of that fact. There's a special place in the hearts of Americans for a man who does that, or a woman, if you insist. Obama does not do that. He does not take responsibility and say, it's mine. I own it. A real man, a real leader would come into the Oval Office and say, man, I tell you what, Bush left me with a big old mess, but I'm going to handle it. It's my mess now, and I'm going to do the damn thing, and I'm going to get it squared away. And if at the end of my term as president it's not handled, then I'm out. Get somebody else in. Maybe they can do a better job. That's what a man does. That's how a man handles his business. I learned that from my dad. Hey, I learned that from my mom. This is how a man handles his business. And not just in large order, but in even smaller things. I did this. My fault. I'll handle it. That's what it's all about. Here we have a man who is basically spineless and lazy and shiftless, who blames everyone else. Americans will not appreciate that, do not appreciate it, and so his strategy of a do-nothing Congress will fall flat. And if anyone disagrees with that statement, feel free to call in and talk about it. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Obama's overall job approval has dropped precipitously. A total of 42% of Americans say they approve of the way Obama is handling his job as president, and I'm surprised it's that high. And 52% say they disapprove of the way Obama is handling his job according to the latest survey from an American research group. In May, 49% of Americans approved of the job Obama was doing and 47% disapproved. When it comes to Obama's handling of the economy, when it comes to his overall handling of the economy, 39% of Americans approve and 55% disapprove. Among Americans registered to vote, 42% approve of the way Obama is handling his job. And 52% disapprove. Who here believes that this president will be reelected in 2012 with those numbers? Those numbers are very encouraging to me, folks. Obama will not be reelected. Republicans don't even have a nominee yet, but I strongly believe that President Obama is going to take an ass whooping. He's going to be defeated. My prediction is not 100%. However, I do have a strong track record making these predictions, and they're based on scientific research conducted by somebody else <laughs> other than me. <laughs> uh, I predicted in March of 2008 that Sarah Palin would be McCain's pick for VP before anyone knew her name. I also stated six months before the Massachusetts U.S. Senate race that a Republican would win. Folks, Obama will not be reelected. The economy is unlikely to make any substantial growth surges between now and the election. Obamacare is scaring the business community from making investments by employing more people. Obama can't survive a jobless recovery. And not to mention the price of oil is a looming threat to our economy. It's no secret now how President Obama and his administration feels about oil. They put a moratorium on drilling, which has cut in half the number of domestic wells in the Gulf and other places. I have a list of the top reasons why Obama won't be reelected, but I won't bore you with those. Instead... I'm going to take a short break, and then I'll come right back, and we'll talk some more. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report.
0: Why is Ayn Rand's great novel Atlas Shrugged a bestseller today, more than half a century after it was written? It's because our real world today is just like the fictional future that Rand foresaw in Atlas Shrugged. It's a time of crisis and decay, but it's also a world of innovation and achievement. It's a world of heroes and villains driven by very different philosophies. We wrote I Am John Galt to tell their stories. We look at the heroic innovators who are building our world and show that they're doing it just like the heroes of Ayn Rand's novels. They're using her philosophy of capitalism, reason, objective reality, and self-interest. Who is John Galt? Meet John Allison, the mild-mannered southerner who created one of America's greatest banking empires. He did it with Ayn Rand's philosophy, by getting every one of his tens of thousands of employees to read Atlas Shrugged and live by its code. In the great financial crisis of 2008, his bank was about the only one that didn't need a government bailout. But the government forced Allison to take TARP money anyway. After that, Allison walked away, just like John Galt did. There's so many other Rand heroes in our midst. There's Bill Gates the genius who built the world's greatest company and the world's greatest personal fortune, only to have his own government call him a criminal for succeeding too much. Isn't he just like Hank Reardon from Atlas Shrugged? And how about Steve Jobs, the brilliant entrepreneur who reinvented computers, movies, music, telephones, just because he thought it was so cool? He's got the same attitude toward life as Howard Rourke from Rand's other great novel, The Fountainhead. Build it? and I don't care if they come. You'll meet some real-life rand villains in our book, too, the parasites who are trying to destroy the world. Remember Wesley Mooch from Atlas Shrugged, the corrupt bureaucrat who destroyed the economy? That's Congressman Barney Frank, who spent years subsidizing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in the name of altruism. When Fannie and Freddie nearly wrecked the US housing market, what did Frank do? Just like Mooch, he demanded wider powers. And you'll meet Paul Krugman, the rabid partisan pundit who spreads socialism from the pages of the New York Times and thinks nothing of using the power of the press to destroy his political enemies. He's Ellsworth Toohey, the scheming, dwarfish newspaper columnist straight from the pages of the Fountainhead. These are some of the heroes and villains who move our world. So who is John Galt? I am. You can be too. Read our book and
5: find out how. I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is my very serious commentary. As the holidays approach, it's a good time to ask ourselves, why do we celebrate Thanksgiving? (laughs) Many conservatives say the feast marks the failure of an early colonial experiment in socialism. Many left-wingers say, you're a racist, you dirty Jew, and then set your car on fire. In fact, the first Thanksgiving was held by the pilgrims, a group of independent English Christians who wore their buckles on their hats to demonstrate their faith that God would hold their pants up. Unlike the Puritans, who weren't allowed to have sex and so tragically died out, the Pilgrims wanted to worship Jesus Christ outside the Church of England, a crime punishable by no cake at coffee hour and imprisonment. The Pilgrims escaped to Holland, but there the nightmare of religious oppression continued as they found themselves forced to wear those Dutch wooden shoes which, combined with the hat buckles, let's face it, made them look like complete idiots. So they boarded the Mayflower and set sail for America. It was a perilous journey. Over the course of 66 days, the pilgrims faced storms, suffered disease, ran out of the chicken marsala, and were forced to settle for the beef bourguignon first class with nothing but a lousy six-dollar bag of nuts and coach. Finally, Landing in what would later be called Plymouth, Massachusetts, they called the place Plymouth, Massachusetts, for that was its name. There, in 1620, they wrote the famous Mayflower Compact, sometimes called the First American Constitution. In the compact, the pilgrims agreed to enact and abide by such just and equal laws as would help them govern a colony they were forming for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith. Thus began a new tradition, as the ACLU promptly sued for violation of the separation of church and state, calling the Pilgrims un-American. In that first winter in the New Land, over half the settlers died. So, when they had gathered in the harvest the next year, the survivors, joined by the local Indians, sat down to a feast of thanksgiving to God. The ACLU promptly sued for violation of the separation of church and state, calling the Indians native un-Americans. The memory of that first meal was passed on and embellished through the generations, until in 1863, Abraham Lincoln declared the last Thursday in November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our Beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. The ACLU promptly sued for violation of the separation of church and state, calling Abraham Lincoln un-American. Today, Americans of all creeds celebrate Thanksgiving, even atheists who give thanks to nobody because they're governed by reason. For the rest of us, it's a day that reminds us really of only one simple truth. Every underlying principle of American liberty and every blessing that liberty bestows are derived entirely and are inseparable from the faith that led our pilgrim fathers and mothers across the sea. And if you think that's un-American, well, you find out where Christmas comes from. I'm Andrew Klavan, and this is... Has been my very serious commentary.
1: All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. That was my main man, Andrew Claven. I took the uh, clip from uh, Glenn Beck's uh, website, Glenn Beck TV. The truth lives here. I am a subscriber to Glenn Beck TV, and I also do some work for Glenn on occasion uh, as a researcher. Uh Glenn is the man he and and Claven is uh, hilarious without even trying, and so um so much on point but hey, listen once again, I'd simply like to know who believes that President Obama will be reelected president, and also a lot's been made of the fact that they're uh, Perry has made a, a few gaffes here and there. A lot's been made of uh, gaffes made by Herman Cain. Uh, misstatements. Missteps. A lot's been made that uh, by Michelle Bachman's uh, errors here and there. Us being regular people, me, Tesla, Southern Sense, Beach Bomb, Casanova, Evil, a lot of you folks, we, we know that a lot of times we we get brain freeze, brain lock. We we forget something that ordinarily we would remember in the heat of the moment or the conversation. We always, and I think this is true of all of us, finish a conversation, hang up the phone, and there is something that comes to mind that we wished we'd said or something that we wished we hadn't. A lot's been made of these gaps by some of our conservative Republican candidates for the GOP. But how many of us remember all of the very many gaffes that Obama's made just over the course of the last six months or so? Well, here's one for you in case you didn't know about this one. Just a few weeks ago, Barack Obama hailed the extraordinarily special relationship between America, and Britain. But it's clearly one he doesn't know all that much about if his latest foreign policy gap is anything to go by. And I'm going by an article (laughs) in Weasel Zippers, and it is hilarious because there's a picture of Obama standing on one side of the Queen And hideous Michelle on the other side. And the queen is looking like she would certainly rather be somewhere else. (laughs) Except between these two clowns. Um, The president has come under fire (laughs) today after referring to the English instead of the British embassy in his condemnation of the violence that broke out at the building in Iran yesterday. In an interview yesterday, Mr. Obama said, and I quote, all of us are deeply disturbed by the er, crashing of er, the English embassy er, the embassy of the United Kingdom, end quote. By calling it the embassy of the United Kingdom. He got it wrong twice. It appears there has never been an English embassy, although there have been English ambassadors centuries ago. But I suppose, er, that Obama, er, did not have a teleprompter, feeding him actual facts perhaps he was speaking off the cuff and his brilliantness was somehow well left in his other pants because you know he's supposed to be the messiah he's supposed to be the This most brilliant man. I remember an interview uh, where he was being touted as being brilliant, that his IQ was supposed to be off the charts. He was asked by the person he was interviewed, well, what's his IQ? What's Obama's IQ? Well, the person had to stammer and stutter and go back and say, well, I'm not sure exactly what his IQ is, but he's brilliant. Well, why would you say his IQ is off the charts if You don't know what his IQ is. Well, apparently the rumor is his IQ is in the low 130s, which is just above average. My dog, Nick's IQ is somewhere around there too. Is he brilliant as well? Oh, well. So, President Obama screws up these very basic things and of course, you're not supposed to make a big deal out of it because if you do, then you're a racist and you're putting a black man down. Because you know, Obama's a very busy man. You know, he doesn't really have time to, you know, to to devote to the the idea that there are 50 states and not 57, or that there is no English embassy of the United Kingdom. And all the other gaps and missteps that he's made while simultaneously being touted as this brilliant orator. We'll go back before we close out the show. We've got less than three minutes left. And suggest that it's stuff just like this that tell us that a head-to-head debate between Newt Gingrich – Newt Gingrich – And Barack Hussein Obama, Newt is going to get in that ass. Barack Hussein Obama will look like the fool that he is. Does anyone doubt that? It's going to be Ali Frazier, the first fight, with Newt being Frazier, the ugly little troll, Ali being Obama... A handsome stud, except Ali was really smart. Frazier was too. But that no matter. We'll let that slide. Frazier, i.e. Newt, is going to whoop that ass. Which is why I am looking forward to a debate between Barack Hussein Obama in the general election and Newt Gingrich if he gets that far. I will be tuning in, I'll have my popcorn ready, and it's going to go down, and it's going to go down hard. Does anybody doubt that? Folks, we live in interesting times, and it's going to get even worse. But in the meantime, we're going to have to keep the devil way down in the hole. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Everybody, Southern sense, you came late, girl, but you came. Chesler. Beach Bomb. Everybody, thank you for being here. Have a great night. God when bless you. When
3: you walk to the garden, God bless America. You gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus, He's gonna save your soul. You gotta keep the devil. We're down in the hole, he's got the fire and the fury at his command. Where well, you don't have to worry if you hold on to Jesus' hand. We'll all be safe from Satan when the thunder rolls. We just gotta keep the devil. Way down in the hole